previously on the Traveling On Purpose podcast. When I started, the only way to stay abroad was to run your own business. And it was a lot less competitive then than it is now. But now you can run a remote job. You can freelance on Upwork. There's a lot of things you can do. I'm tempted to go back to Upwork as well. because just the, the amount per hour that I'm seeing right now. I mean, even people in Philippines and India that are relatively like medium skilled that used to be charging five, six bucks an hour, even they're charging 20, 25 now. Hey, travelers. Here's part two of my interview with one of the best travel hackers I know, Freddie Lansky. Two scenarios for you. One is, let me throw this at you. Locksmith for sale, small town. You have somebody to help you buy it. Okay, what do you do after you now own this locksmith company? What's your strategy? If I was in that shoes, first of all, I would make sure that I have a solid contract with a partner who's going to handle all the operations because I don't want to be dealing with the angry customers and random phone calls and all that. And I am totally blocked out from that side of the business because mm -hmm. I don't want it to hurt my quality of life. That's mm -hmm. done. What mm -hmm. I would do immediately is just look at the space. Like, does social media make sense? Does this is, I think, a thing that big companies struggle with, right? They have all these budgets, so they don't know where to go, right? So, if you're a roofing company, like, sure, you could do YouTube videos on roofing, but I don't think your customers like really care all that much. They're not looking up. So, like, that might not make as much sense. Whereas the space we're in points to miles, like social media does make sense, right? It, it really mm -hmm. depends a lot on your niche. For example, like say you're doing like a beauty studio or something like that, like, I don't know, a, a makeup or a hair salon, then mm -hmm. social media would obviously be a, a great place to promote, right? Like a dentist, like look, look at these veneers we did, look at these, or, yeah. or just tutorials, different, whatever it is, right? Whereas then you'd have to look at SEO. What's cool about SEO is for global terms, they can be very competitive. They almost always are. Same thing for certain local markets. So like New York or LA, Locksmith LA or Locksmith New York is definitely mega, mega, mega competitive. But, you know, Locksmith, St. Paul, Minneapolis may not be as competitive, right? Mm -hmm. And it might be so easy that just building a couple backlinks and writing some content, you can end up on page one on Google for some of these terms much more easily. Same thing for paid ads. Paid ads for local businesses in a lot of markets mm -hmm. are much cheaper than they are for more global terms, right? Um, yeah. So if you're if you're looking X Y Z whatever it is, plumber for this. It depends a lot on the city or the town or whatever it is. But most of these markets are not very competitive. And most of these businesses aren't doing any of this at all. And from what I hear from people who own these businesses, the main issue that they have is they they have a lot of clients, but they don't know how to scale things up, right? So they have to like end up decline, declining people or raising their price, whatever. That part of the business, I don't know how I would automate that. Like that's something for the partners to do, right? But what I could do is build a bunch of leads, right? And then you could mm -hmm. do that to grow the business and with the profits from that, start buying other businesses and, you know, in a similar space and consolidate them. That's yeah. a super normal uh, strategy, both for internet businesses and for brick and mortar businesses is you just start buying smaller properties in your space and consolidating them and so on. 
Yeah, that's what I would do, but I would not do it unless I had a proper partner because I'm I'm not trying to move to like, you know, Kansas City or some <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like I don't want to I don't wanna, I don't want to no offense to anyone from there. I don't I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to live in any some random second tier US city. I I want to stay here in, in Mexico. And I don't know anything about the operations, right? You know, from my right. understanding is a lot of these service businesses got to hire people the people can be very flaky and unprofessional and then you have to micromanage them and and deal with all this like kind of bs that just sounds exhausting to me yeah and so i don't want to deal with any of that right so another option is hiring a manager but i don't think you would have enough money for a manager in the beginning so the smartest thing would just be to partner with somebody that can handle all that and then you think of how to like grow and scale and then you remember that show the profit with Marcus Lemonis. Have you ever seen the show? Oh, if you haven't seen I The Prophet. Oh, you got to watch The Prophet, man. This is one of my favorite shows. So he's the billionaire. He created Outdoor World. Marcus Lemonis created Outdoor World where you go all buy all the camping stuff. Now what he does is he goes around and buys businesses that have a lot of potential but aren't well run. And then he installs like the systems and the, you know, and make sure he just improves the operations. Right. And but he also buys businesses that have synergy with each other. So he might buy a sign company over here and then that sign company ends up making signs for his other businesses. And then he has an apparel company that makes the uniforms. And so he's really smart in how he puts all these businesses together and, uh, you know, economies of scale and everything. So you could have an operation like that. And then since you have a central you know, you'd have a central marketing department and a central this and accounting and all that stuff. So you kind of bring everything under one roof. I love that show. You should definitely check it out. It's many, many seasons. So you'll have a great time. The other scenario I wanted to throw at you was, okay, so there's the go to the small town. I better not like a show. Oh, you're going to, because I'm seeing seven seasons. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kill you if I love this show because I'm losing seven seasons. (laughs) You're going to hardcore binge it. I'm serious, man. I love this show. So um, the other scenario is if you're not going to go to a small town, buy a brick and mortar business, you mentioned because uh, if you this episode really has become about like, how do you sustain yourself and escape from the rat race? Right. So you mentioned building an Upwork profile. Can you talk to me about someone if you your job today was to go and build yourself uh, a business on Upwork, like, you know, through uh, some sort of service. How do you build up your clientele? Like, what is your strategy for going and creating revenue through Upwork? Well, so a lot of my friends have businesses, a lot of my friends have corporate jobs, a lot of my friends are freelancers too. So with freelancing, everyone hates Upwork clients because they are very demanding and you're in a, in a fully competitive space. And mm-hmm. the objective generally with freelancers, whether it's graphic design, copywriting, that's another one. If, if you have a knack for copywriting is something you can learn relatively quick. That's like a super high skill that... It's kind of like people love to, obviously, including myself, uh, outsource work to third world countries where the cost is a lot cheaper. But copywriting seems to be one of those things that's even with AI is kind of a good copywriter, too, but it's not as good. There's something about like Americans and their ability to write persuasive sales copy that if you can write a good email that converts it's a skill set you could learn in under a year that people will pay you. It can come out to over a hundred dollars an hour. 
um, oh. easily. The holy grail is when you start having a reputation of writing really good copy and businesses will tell you, okay, I'll give you 10% of any sales that come in from this email. And they already have like a hundred thousand people on their email list. All right. So they're only getting 300 people they're like, well, we, you know, we try to write it with chat GPT and we got a conversion of, you know, 600 people from the hundred thousand person list. And then we tried this copy are like, okay, like, let me see how I like I was doing that for years at iChefs, figuring out their pain points, getting them to take action and so on. Like that's an easy skill. You know, I, I met a lot of but, people here in Mexico that were just teaching English, teaching Spanish, like language classes. Huh. Let's let's start at like the bottom. Like, cause I think what most people listening to your podcast, they would say, Well, I don't have any of these skills. I don't have any marketable skills. I got, mm-hmm. you know, a degree in whatever it is, engineering. And, you know, I don't want to work, like, what else can I do? So maybe engineering is not a good example, right? So you could be like an engineering consultant. I don't know. What's what's, what's like a skill uh, that has no use online? Art history. Yeah. Yeah. I'm art history major, right? So, okay. Right. Or or the cliche one is always gender studies, right? That's that's the one they always like to rag on, right? And gender (laughs) studies, right? Okay. So like, there's a lot of skills that you could kind of start right away, right? Actually, back in the day when I first started traveling, teaching English in person was like the ticket out. That was like the only ticket out if you had no other skills. Now you can teach English online. You can work as an assistant to somebody. You can, you could just look and see, see what's out there, you know, and then hone in once you're working as an assistant, you know, start taking like some Udemy courses on on digital marketing, learn a bit about landing pages, email marketing, setting up funnels. These are all stuff that you could learn relatively quick to become useful to somebody, you know, and anything of taking sales calls as well. Um, you know, a lot of the work pays better than other, depending on, you know, how persuasive you are at selling or how, uh, what, what your skill sets are graphic design, whatever it is, it could be graphic design, copywriter, a professional translator, you know, obviously a lot of video editor. There's so many. I, I can't even podcast think of editor. online freelancing jobs that a podcast editor and just get going, right? If you, because if you're, if you're listening to this, like in your early twenties or even late teens and, you know, maybe you're not going to go to school, whatever it is, or maybe you just finish school uh, or you're going to drop out whatever, if you're on the road and you don't have, you know, dependents, whatever, like, dude, you could, you could be traveling in Thailand. Like this hack is not as good as it used to be. Right. Because so many remote workers have come to Bali and Chiang Mai and Fidel Carmex, Imagine the cost of living has gone up a lot, but it's still way cheaper than the U S right. Mm-hmm. So you could go, you know, wait tables one summer after school and just grind your ass off and say, I'm going to go live in my parents' basement. I'm going to make a hundred dollars an hour, you know, working my ass off waiting tables, 50 hours a week, whatever, save all that money up from the summer, have like a 20. And then let's say you built up a 15 grand, 20 grand nest egg, you know, over that summer, go travel, and then start doing remote work while you're traveling. So maybe you're burning through your savings, but you're burning it through a much lower rate. And then before you know it, you're saying, all right, well, now I'm already making, you know, a thousand bucks a month on Upwork, translating documents or, or uh, being a virtual assistant, 
you know, like a virtual assistant or administrative assistant in a developing country who goes cheap as three, four dollars an hour. But there's there's a lot of companies that would pay much more for a native English speaker from the U.S. as well, especially if they have to deal with certain sensitive things like sending mm-hmm. payments where they could run a background check on you or, you know, get get your personal information, et cetera. Like you have a lot more to lose than, you know, somebody in a more developing country. So there's, there's a lot of like paths you could take. I mean, none of them are super exotic in the beginning. And then from there, the goal is if you're going to continue the freelance route is to move to clients that you find from word of mouth and they have a tendency to meet much better clients. Right. And from there, you can try to outsource some of the work, build a team. Mm. And then at that point, things start kind of becoming, I lost track of how many people ended up with a marketing agency by accident. (laughs) because they were freelancing and then they're like, well, you know, I'm doing the landing pages, but it would really help a lot if I had a guy that's writing copy. Right. And then it's like, well, uh, do you, uh, do you guys do, uh, Facebook ads? And then this thing, you know, they got, you know, they're like doing ads. That's like, well, we're already doing paid ads and SEO. Let's just, let's just add the whole shebang. Yeah. And there you have it. Right. And now they have a, they have a, a marketing company that they've built on Upwork. And they have a team, you're saying, and then they get clients and farm out the work and oversee it and just make sure the quality. Yeah, well, you have a lot of options, right? I mean, you can. Yeah, well, that that, that too. So, I mean, you can do remote work. You can do freelancing or you can try to start or buy a business, right? And when you're buying a business, a lot of times you can be approved for an SBA loan or similar loan. You don't have to come up with all the money up front. I would highly recommend someone just starting off not buy a business. It's, it's much more risky than real estate or a brick and mortar business, but it's an option out there as well. Um, you're there's just so many different ways to go. They do, start buying, they do start with buying a business? Absolutely not. Uh, unless, they oh, have oh. A, unless they have a partner who's already been in the trenches because you can end up really in debt or losing your whole life savings, right? But I would recommend people just start on Upwork or just start literally just brainstorm one day, like what, what, what is a service that I could offer now to my existing personal friends on Facebook and Instagram? Like how would I make, that's what Noah Kagan would say. He, he's a guy, he's this guy, the podcast, the, he's the sumo.me guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sumo.com now, all the apps and everything. So I met him a couple of times. He's a cool guy. Like I met him in Austin. Whatever. He's bootstrapped everything, right? Like if he was on a podcast and you were asking that to him, that's what he would say. Like he'd be like, look, fuck all this SPO, all such stuff. Like, how can I make 10 sales? One one strategy he likes to do is like he puts someone in the hot seat, like, all right, you're gonna make your first sale from this non-existent business right now. Like at during the podcast, and they're like, oh, oh well, I don't know. Well, uh, you know, uh, well, I speak pretty good Chinese. It's like, all right, dude. Okay, so you're gonna go on your Facebook right now, and you're gonna say, I'm offering a unlimited Chinese translation service for one year for four hundred dollars. Right? I'm gonna post that post on your Instagram too, whatever, whatever it is. And then it's like they always get like one sale, like right there wow. on the phone or something wow. like that during. I think I think that's a great exercise, right? It's people I think get too intimidated. Totally. That's like a good place to start. I read something today that says don't try to figure out what you're better than everyone else at. They said try to figure out what you do best. 
and just focus on that, that's where you have your best shot. Chances of you being better than everyone else at any particular thing is nil, I would say. But the chances of you you doing something pretty well is very high. Like everybody's got some gift. So just go put that on the market and come up with a clever you know, way of marketing it and uh, see what you can do. I mean, I think that's great advice. Yeah, if you want. If you if want. You want. <laughs> well, and I'll, so yeah. why didn't you ever just go get a regular job? Like you could just, clearly you could be working at some big corporation. I, I did. That's, this, this, that's why I said that if you want. So <laughs> I think at the time, corporate jobs were like really depressing. Remote work absolutely did not exist. You're dealing with two weeks vacation, super high stress, all the stuff. The, the freelancing world was much smaller than it is now and much lower paying. Uh, the internet freelancing world. And so really your best option was to start a business, right? Um, online business, right? There were still a lot of niches open. Google was much easier. Social media was just getting started. Times have changed now. Like if you want the freedom to live abroad or travel or make your own hours or whatever it is, and you don't want to get a traditional job, there's way more options now. So that's why I said, if you want, right, because I think the starting your business route is the most frustrating. I think freelancing is a little less frustrating because the most you can lose is zero, which is a lot more than running your own business where the most you can lose. The sky is the limit on how much you can lose per month, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, with the remote job, you could live a pretty similar lifestyle to what I'm living, you know, especially... Now, after the pandemic, you know, to me, if I were transported back in time and I am back to my early 20s with the, with the savings and the income I had then and everything was the same, except now that we're in 2023 and not 2009, you know, right? Like, I would mm -hmm. be much more tempted to take the remote job offer, especially like, it's like, dude, you can get like, I can find some part-time work. I can continue to travel. I could also be working in tourism and continue to see the world. And I don't have to work at, you know, some dreadful office somewhere. That's not an option that existed 10 years ago yeah. or even five years ago. That's definitely starting to exist now. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Right. Obviously, the biggest about starting your own business and getting something to work is that if you manage to succeed, you'll be having a nice, big, juicy exit, and then you can buy another business and so on. Yeah. But starting from scratch, bootstrapped is a lot harder than it used to be. And right now, the I mean, I'll show you. Let's let's look it up on 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 yeah, Google job open, uh, job openings to applicants ratio twenty twenty three. I mean, you, take, you just take a look. This is just some random one, right? So, okay, well, like, we're gonna spell it out for those who are listening and not watching along. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go, go ahead. The unemployment, the unemployment versus job openings, right? So you can see, like, 2019, the number of job openings to unemployed, unemployed is slightly below that, right? They're about matched up. And there's this big spike, right? Everybody's unemployed. They print a bazillion dollars. Everything goes kind of whack. It goes right back down from all the stimulus. But then you can see that it's just staying up, that people are really having trouble finding talent right now. Uh -huh. And that's led to a big, this has led to a historic 
leverage that potential applicants have over employers right now. And yeah. it's it hasn't really changed all that much, right? And so I'm seeing right. that not just, so so they wanted everyone to come back to the office, but then they kind of threw in the towels, they're not getting enough applicants. So more and more jobs mm-hmm. are <laughs> just going fully remote to try to get people to apply right now. So you can see how different the situation is right now, looking at these charts in 2022, 2023 compared to 2019, yeah. right? So that's why I'm starting to kind of lick my lips at this is I just, I never consider like freelancing or um, even part-time for a business, but now I'm starting to get more tempting because I'm just saying like, I saw one, uh, so Upwork added this thing where you can see how many other people are applying to a specific a freelancer when they invite them. So I sent like a programming job and I sent it to this programmer and it was said like this Upwork freelancers received 155 freelance offers. And it wasn't even someone that well rated. Like they had some, yeah, it's crazy right now. It used so to everybody be totally the other way around. Upwork. It used, dude, it used to be the, the freelancers were all chasing the employers. Now you go online, they all got attitude. Like, so, you know, what's in this for me, et cetera. Like, it's not, uh, do people, Wait, what do you do for healthcare? Quit, like, like as a freelancer, what would you do for healthcare? Like, so you live in Mexico city. Not, not live in the U S that would be the first thing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Is it just so cheap there that you can go to the hospital when you need to go to the hospital or get medicine when you need to get medicine? It's not a big deal. You don't yeah, really need so I insurance. Have, I have a plan on Cigna that's about 120 bucks a month. It used to be like 70 and then a couple of years ago, they raised it to 80, 90, 100, whatever, still relatively cheap. And that comes with a $7,000 deductible that just covers everything, including like freak accidents. If I was, you know, skiing or hiking or something like that. Yeah. Right. Or if I, God forbid, get caught with some crazy disease. So that's basically when I say insurance, I mean exactly that insurance, like insurance against that. If like, you know, some crazy shit happens, I'm not going to lose my life savings or bankrupt my family, but deductible so high i just don't even bother like you know today uh, me and my girlfriend both got like a teeth cleaning and teeth whitening and it was you know two hundred dollars for both of us it wasn't wow. even, like that bad like the dermatologist usually like a hundred bucks 200 bucks a visit and if you yeah. want to go to a simple doctor it's, it's practically free all these pharmacies wow. here they they have this doctor that's like works inside of the pharmacy and they're like a general doctor. I don't know what their specialties are or whatever. I guess just non-specialist. I don't yeah, know the yeah. exact uh, type. General practitioner. Way, costs like, yeah, general practitioner costs like $2 or $3 what? to see them. Yeah. So you just pay like 50 pesos and then they just check you out. And then like, if you have a cold or something like that, you know, they could easily see like, oh, it's viral or bacterial or whatever, and just give you the prescription you need to get out of there. So healthcare is not really a big issue. And these health plans, the most important thing is they cover up to like 90 days. They're made for US expats that live abroad. And most of them give you like 90 days or even six months a year in the US. 
So if something does happen in the US, I won't be totally screwed. So because you have to go back to the uh, US yeah, every now and again for visa reasons or like how do you manage the visa part of things? Like is there a website you use to know how long you have in Mexico City before you have to leave and all that stuff? Well, I used to do the foreign earned income exclusion, which means I have to be out of the States 330 days a year or have residency in another country. But then I got residency in Mexico. So now oh. I can still claim the exclusion and still be in the US more than 30 days a year. Wow. Technically, as long as I want, but a CPA said not to push it to keep it <laughs> under 90, 90 days just in case. Because if you like, you know, you say, oh, I live abroad, but you have an apartment and, you know, uh, whatever it is, Texas, you're there most of the, like they could, they could cry foul, right. And, and make you yeah. go back taxes from, you know, that you would have paid from the exclusion. There's some nightmare stories, but yeah, I mean, that's how I manage it. I just have residency and honestly don't really think that much about it since wow. I'm a, not a sick person or yeah. don't really need to go to the hospital. I just, I go, I mean, most, most of this like stuff I do is cosmetic anyway, stuff for my teeth, my skin, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be covered under insurance anyways. And all that stuff oh. is much cheaper here than it is back in the U S. So yeah, I don't have to worry about it. Just hopefully won't get, won't get sick. I mean, I had to get some stitches once and it was like 50 bucks to go to the ER. Crazy. Like to go to the ER in the U S I don't even want to think about it. Like, uh, Oh my yeah. god, we gotta Well, I didn't I didn't get the am the ambulance is supposed to be free, but they take forever to come. So I just took a I took <laughs> one of those like lime lime scooters as I, I was jogging. Um I was jogging and then some I, I didn't even notice there there's like one of those like chicken wires or something like that on the jogging yeah. track. Oh, and shoot. it like a little a little piece of the of that like chicken wire fencing was like out kind of pointing yeah. to the track. And then it just it just sliced me open like a like a like a shark. I didn't even feel it. I wasn't even hurting. I looked down. I'm not seeing. It's like I'm like holy shit. I go. Oh. I, so I, I was like I was like I was like I was like all right all right. I'm gonna go home first, and I'm gonna take a look at it. So I, I go home. I look in the mirror. I, I'm like this like this big gash. I'm like oh my yeah God. yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not stitching that up with a uh, little bandages and Tylenol. You got some stitches so. So you yeah. took a lime scooter and scooted over yeah. to the hospital. You're like, I don't have time for the scooter. I, yeah, yeah, I scooted to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, okay. So now people are going to be hearing this and they're like, great, I got to get out of this country. I wanted to show people a little bit of what you do at Points Panda, like give them a little, little taste. So I'm going to pick a destination and talk me through like how it would work if we work together. So I'm going to throw out, uh, we mentioned Thailand earlier. Someone was talking to me about Thailand earlier today. So let's say Thailand. Uh, I live here in the U.S. I want to go on a trip to Thailand. What questions are you asking me? Like, how are we getting there? Well, the main thing I do for my clients is try to get them on a business or first class flight for yeah. a long distance trip, right? So these these tickets would usually cost anywhere from... I don't know, three thousand to uh, as high as, as ten or even fifteen thousand dollars round yeah. trip for like Emirates first class flight. Actually, what am I saying? No, Emirates first class flight from the U.S. to I don't know Bangkok with a stop in Dubai, something like that, could be like twenty five thousand um, dollars per person. 
But with points, it's only a little bit more than it is business class, right? So I'll plan it in advance to get them signing up for credit cards and getting the sign-up bonuses and basically leveraging their good credit they already have to start getting these bonuses and apply those bonuses to a flight. So I have two types of clients. The first ones are ones that are already doing all the credit card game and they just want someone to handle the reward flights and that's fine. And then the other ones, the ones that I get more excited about are people that don't really know where to start. And maybe they have like a Chase Sapphire card or kind of in the game, but they're not really opening multiple cards a year, even though they should be. If they have over a 700 credit score, they should be just those bonuses are literally free money um, as long mm -hmm. as you can hit the minimum spends. And there's a lot of ways to do that as well. So I help people with the earning side, like, okay, here are the cards you need to apply for. One thing I see people do a lot, uh, like these, they put all their spend on an Amex Platinum card. And that's really dumb because Amex Platinum is more for uh, the benefits, not for the earning structure, right? So Maybe you want to have the platinum for the benefits, but then you want to put the majority of your spend on a like a card like a Venture X or a Blue Business Plus or Chasing mm -hmm. Unlimited or any of these cards that give you 1.5 or 2x on everyday spend and then put your travel and dining and all this stuff on a card that give you 3 or 4x, right? Yeah. So we optimize that side of things. We optimize just coming up with a schedule, like every three months you're applying for this card, hit the minimum spend, boom, next card, next card, next card. Then you saved up the amount of points that you need to take this vacation, right? Yeah. So these are people that usually otherwise wouldn't have been able to afford to do these kinds of trips, right? So a lot of people, like a lot of times like honeymoon or just some big trip that they want to take once a year, and they need some help figuring it all out and using points to do it. So they've seen like these influencers talking about it. And they're a little bit deceptive, a lot of these people. Like they don't, they're like, I got this free flight and this free five star hotel. It's not free. You're exchanging points, which is a currency to get a good deal. But how do you get those points? Like, well, you got the signups, you have these mm -hmm. nine, you have this, you have that. And yeah, I help people with both sides of that. And then I do award bookings as well. And then I also do just, consulting about general travel as well. I've been to 70 countries. Uh, one thing I did during the pandemic was kind of help people with COVID restrictions and things like that. Wow. Uh, just picking my brain. So I do per hour consulting as well. Um, but my best selling product is working with people on a monthly or yearly rate to help them with both the earning and the award booking side. And that's how I like to work with people as well. That way, if they have a some kind of award booking, I don't know, say like New York to Bangkok via Tokyo within early to mid-October, looking for that special saver seat that's going to be a really good transfer option for Chase or Amex. Things change from week to week, so I can keep mm -hmm. an eye on it uh, for their different trips, right? And there's a lot of tools now where you can really just do this on your own. One of them is called Seats.Aero, A-E-R-O, A, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they, they have all the good deals that you can get. So you get these deals by transferring your Chase or Amex City or Capital One points to a partner rather than uh, redeeming it on the portal. And I saw from your site, VKHQ, you know all about it. And you're doing that for your clients as well. So it's nothing that's going to blow your mind, but maybe you're... Uh, I don't know, man. I'm always learning stuff. Like there's always something new to learn with this game. And for the people who didn't hear it, that was seats. 
Aero, A-E-R-O, seats.aero. So what can you do on that site? You can go there and you can kind of plan out, like see what trips are available. Like how would you describe it to people? What, what, like my blog? So, I mean, my PointsPad makes money in three ways. It makes money from display advertising. So people come from Google and they just have ads served to them and those ads, you know, pay me a couple hundred bucks a month. I get money from credit card affiliate signups. So I work with creditcards.com, which is a subsidiary of Red Ventures. They give me links for all the Chase and Capital One and Amex Hall's cards. And so those links are peppered into the website. So if you click on one of those links and then you sign up for a credit card, um, I can get anywhere from, uh, it could be, it could range from $30 to all the way to three, $400 for some of the top end Amex cards. I'm, I'm not allowed to say how much it pays per card, but I can give you a general idea. Let's just say about a hundred dollars on average, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I get a couple of those signups as well. Um, but the main bread and butter is my clients, right? So I charge $200 a month or two grand a year for unlimited award bookings, unlimited advice. So these people just have me, um, some of them have me on iMessage, WhatsApp, Telegram, whatever wow. your favorite messaging ad is. And they just bounce off ideas off me. Hey, I'm going this, I'm going that. Officially only, you know, award bookings are included, but I'll help clients with like cash bookings as well. And I'll help them plan um, some of their vacations, if I just so happen to have knowledge about where they're going and so on, and just basically having me on speed dial for uh, a monthly or yearly fee. And that's the way I prefer to work with my clients as well, because, you know, I like the recurring revenue. It kind of helps me plan my finances and uh, yeah. yeah, running the blog. Honestly, I'd have a much more profitable business if I just shut down the blog, because paying the writers and social media and the manager and all that cost more money than what I'm getting right now from credit card affiliate signups and and uh, the display advertising as well. And Google's just so unpredictable. Like my site was growing, 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 growing. Then suddenly late last year, the traffic just suddenly dropped 50%. So the <laughs> it just happens. And then that's been slowly growing back. So Google doesn't tell you why that happens, but it just happens all the time. And then you just have to eat shit for a few months to a year until you can get it back, oh, just man. to get it back to where it was. And so that's why you don't want to depend too much on Google. You want to diversify your your lead sources online, have some coming from social media, some coming from paid ads, some coming yeah. from organic. That's why if it's like having a one-legged table when you only have one lead source, because right. that lead source drops, that's it. That's why when I'm looking on Empire Flippers and quiet light. Uh, these are like internet business brokerages. Sometimes I like to just, I was looking to buy a business. If I still see the right business, I might do it, but I'll just do calls and look behind the curtains and they're trying to sell this business for 200 grand or 300 grand. And they only selling one product and their only lead source is paid ads. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we're spending 10 grand a month on paid ads. Uh, and we're getting, you know, 12 grand, in, uh, in revenue. So I'm like, well, if the cost of those paid ad goes up 20%, yeah, you don't have a business anymore. I don't know, you know. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. Actually, I'm glad you answered that. You answered a question I didn't even ask, but I was going to ask you, which was like how your business works. And so I was asking how does, how would you describe seats.arrow? How would you describe what they do? 
So Seeds.Aero is one of many services, um, like kind of these search, like this is for the start. (laughs) This is a nut that people in the points and miles space have been trying to crack for years, which is scraping all the awards data from all these different programs, Uh, United, Delta, American Airlines, British Airways, Life Miles, et cetera. So when you're looking for on an airline's website in cash, they will only sell you tickets from their own airline most of the time, unless it's like an extra leg, right? So if you're doing, uh, you're buying a United ticket, I don't know, uh, whatever, Houston to, to uh, Houston to Bangkok, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the final leg via Tokyo, you're going to fly United to Tokyo and the last part is going to be on the partner. But, but you couldn't get a full ticket on one of their partners. On awards, it's a whole different game. Mm-hmm. I, you can book Delta flights with Virgin, Virgin flights with Delta. Um, you can book Copa Airlines flights with United. You can book United flights uh, with Life Miles or Air Canada. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And these airlines play this game where they're trying to push people on the saver business class deeps on one of their airline partners so they don't have to pay for it, which as we jokingly call them all frenemies. And so these these airlines, which are where the, the saver seats are at, that's like their guarded secret, right? So they don't want an easy calendar. Um, so instead of making things easier and easier for people, they've gone the other way and making it harder and harder to find these seats. Wow. And they do these like dark patterns where like the best deal for a flight, it doesn't show up at the top when you're searching. And this is why people pay people like you and me hundreds of dollars to figure this out because they don't make it easy on you at all. So right. the Holy Grail has been using a bunch of VP, VPS boxes and just really getting into nerdy technical shit, basically finding ways to do thousands of these searches a day on these airline programs. And mind you, if you do the same search more than two or three times, they already banned the IP address. Wow. And you have to have like uh, dozens of different award accounts. Um, these award accounts are free, but it's like a cat and mouse game where they keep trying. There's no AP. API is the last thing that they want, right? They, they're not yeah. saying, come connect to the United. No. So <laughs> these programmer nerds have been trying to crack the nut on this for a long time. And it seems like some people are finally doing it. And Seats.Aero is one of a couple of different sites. Another one is called Point.me. But Point.me has gotten a lot of flag because you basically have to pay for the vast majority of the results. So Seeds.Aero is kind of, be, they, they're kind of, let's say, called like, they, they are to the points and miles searches, what the Pirate Bay was to, ah. you know, audio. They're saying, screw you guys. We're going to make this, we're going to make this all free uh, wow. and only come up with a, pre- with a premium version that uh, gets you. So they're, they're trying to like, you know, put point.me on notice. Um, yeah. And what they're doing is really cool. So there's still a lot of stuff on here. I, I wouldn't get have anyone that's too excited say, oh, well, Seats.Aero is here. We don't need uh, award miles, you know, booking agents anymore. Yes, you do. Um, this, this is a tool that helps, but it's still not completely there. There's still a lot of programs that aren't on there. There's still a lot of different uh, hacks that don't show up. But Seats.Aero has done the best job I've seen so far of putting together all these airline miles uh, programs together to create a kind of search tool. And they have this Discord community too, where everyone like you and me just nerds out all day long. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, they have a that they, they have a pro version that's seventy bucks a, a year, I think. And I just threw that out there just to support them. I'm like, I love what you guys are doing. Here's my uh, seventy or eighty bucks. You know, even if I don't. Yeah. But it's good. The the so I think the free version you can look two months out, and then the pro version it looks like six seven months out. So that's this smart. for a lot of cases for my clients, this has reduced the amount of time I need to take tremendously because I would have to search manually one by one for a lot of different programs. So here's the thing about booking things for, on award seats. If there isn't a seat on your city, like there's probably an award seat in a nearby major hub. I just have to figure out what that hub is. And then from there, it's only a $50, $60, you know, or whatever it is, $100, $200, yeah. whatever it is. Fifty to two hundred dollar one way Southwest ticket, yep. you know, to get or Spirit ticket, whatever it is, to get you to that destination to then be able to take the business class flight to Europe that you wanted to take, but, right? Which, which, which a filthy rich millionaire would not want to deal with the hassle, but a middle class person who doesn't have four thousand dollars to throw or whatever it is, I don't know, five thousand dollars for two round trip tickets for his wife doesn't have that kind right, of money, right? right? Um, so they're like, okay, that's all I have to do. And then I get seven hours of, you know, to in the lay flat seat so I can wake up refreshed on my Europe oh, trip, done deal. So seats.aero helps me find where those cities are and what dates they're all in and does save me a lot of time. Yeah. And it's free. Wow. That's amazing. So yeah, seats.aero is for the professionals. But if you're out there and you're and you're listening and you haven't done this before, you're you're better off working with a professional at least yeah, yeah, a few yeah. times. Trust me, I promise you this it is there's a lot of ins and outs to it. So work with a professional at least your first few times. Uh and yeah, we will make sure you are taken care of. Uh but you know, speaking of being taken care of, I feel like you really took care of us today. I mean, you went above and beyond. If you're open to it. Uh, we'd love to have you back in the future. I'm just going to put that out there because I feel like we just scratched the surface um, with all of the information you have, man. And we also want to see what you end up doing because it's clear you're you're seeing where things are going and you're trying to get ahead of it. And uh, you've got a good pulse on what's happening. So it'd be really fascinating to see what you end up doing like over the next you know few months. So we'd love to have you back is all I'm saying. This has been great. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd be happy to come back on. So before we go, just the uh, the last thing is I always like to ask is um, there's someone, there's probably almost certainly somebody out there who just loves to help others. Okay. And they're listening and they're going, wow, I've gotten so much good information from this call. I'd love to help you out in some way. And this could be anything. It could be like, I need to know how to paint a fence correctly. Like, what is something out there, Freddie, that if someone knows how to help you, they should get in touch with you? What's something you could use some help with right now? Mm. I've been really wanting to start a tour company, and I've been looking for a good partner to do that. If someone is working in tourism, I thought about just launching some tours from, you know, what somebody says, like, dude, why even, why even start an entire separate LLC and separate website? Just make it an extension of Points Panda. But I've been a little bit intimidated on on where to go with that. <laughs> mm, okay. So if somebody's listening and they understand how to open and operate a tour business, and where where are you looking to do the tours in Mexico City? 
No, I've been wanting to do international like adventure tours to more off the beaten path places oh. with a focus on Latin America. And I've been talking to a couple of different people that already had existing businesses, et cetera, but they've all kind of fallen apart. So yeah, I've yeah. been that's something I've been wanting to do. Okay. So if somebody's listening and they have some information for you, how do they get in touch with you? Just email me at Freddie with the Y at pointspanda.com. And uh, yeah, or just type my name, Freddie Lansky on Google. Uh, I've done a lot of podcast interviews. Uh, you can find them on Spotify or podcast app. You just type my name, Freddie Lansky, F-R-E-D-D-Y-L-A-N-S-K-Y. And if you enjoy listening to me, you can find more, more interviews. Yeah. And if you're planning that trip anywhere, that honeymoon trip, that trip to Thailand, whatever it is, get in touch with Freddie and have him do it right. So Freddie, thank you so much for being a guest. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to see, seeing what you do next for sure. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, and remember everyone, uh, travel on purpose. I'm still working on that I never, I never think about what the, the outro is going to be. One of these days I'm going to sit down and like write a good, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, uh, uh, stay classy, San Diego. Think of something. something like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> one but, on five or maybe yeah. <laughs> say 10 bucks come up with. Ask yeah, GPT, chat GPT. I'm going to have GPT. Oh it. man, I had the funniest. Uh, I, <laughs> I, t I told it the other day, my brother's really into jam music, like fish and stuff like that. Yeah. So I told ChatGPT, think up of 10 funny jam band names that, that also include uh, buttery or um, salacious food items. And it came up with the funniest. Oh, <laughs> I know, right? The best artificial intelligence hits the world. This is what we're going to do with it, right? Like, yes. Come up with funny ba band names, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm having so and much fun. Like, I remember one of, one of them was uh, the Cream Cheese Collective or something like <laughs> It's not a bad. I'd see them. I'd see them in concert. Uh, uh, here we go. The Creamy Cheese Jam Collective, the, the Velvet Cheese Groove Syndicate, the Smooth Butter Jam Fusion, the Creamy Creamy Meltdown Jamboree. It just kept going at ooh. it. Like, Where I I feel like Chad get dessert ends too. It's like the best uh, accessory for your brain. You know, what I mean, like if you're a creative, curious person. It's such a great compliment to to that type of brain. You can come up with like the wildest stuff. So have fun out there with Chad GPT, everyone, and, and mid journey and all those really cool things. And keep traveling on purpose. And next time, maybe I'll have Chad GPT come up with something cooler. But thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you later. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Traveling on Purpose podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned a few new things about travel hacking and personal finance. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will really help us out. To learn more about travel hacking, be sure to check out our website at vacayhq.com. You can also follow us on social media for the latest tips and tricks. Until next time, happy travels.